Hello, and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC, and our goal at the show is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. We really do want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. I want to invite us into our time of meditation, a time of centering ourselves so that we will come into the space with calm minds and an openness and a willingness to receive whatever lands for us today during the show. So if you would, I invite you just to close your eyes and to find your breath, breathing in and out, connecting your energy, your mind, and your being with who you are, with your divine wisdom, with that part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices that will manifest your greatness and will manifest the greatness of others at the same time. Breathe in and out, recognizing our interconnectedness, recognizing that there is enough in the world for all of us to be taken care of. Breathe in and out, letting go of fear, letting go of a scarcity mentality, letting go of an us against them, but embracing the oneness, the completeness, the wholeness. Breathe in and out, connecting with your sacred source, connecting with the essence of who you are. Take a deep breath in and let it out. Receiving the power that is within you and then releasing that power out to the rest of the world. A power that is loving, kind, compassionate, understanding, and filled with a desire for harmony within the world. Breathe in and release it out. Recognizing that what you do matters. You are critical with changing the status quo and with healing the world. Breathe in and out. Accepting the call that is on your life, the purpose for your life and even accepting the in-between parts where discernment lies, where you're trying to figure out your role in changing the world and creating the world that you want to see. Breathe in and out, acknowledging your gratitude for all there is and all the gifts that you have to offer. 
Breathe in, breathe out. And now take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin. Today, I want to talk to you just for a few moments about the concept of Sankofa. Sankofa comes from the Ikan people of Ghana, and it means to go back and retrieve. The literal translation means that there is nothing wrong with learning from hindsight. Another translation is that we must go back and reclaim our past so that we can move forward. So we understand why and how we came to be who we are today. Now the symbol for Sankofa is based on the mythical bird that flies forward with its head turned backwards. This reflects the Ekans belief that the past serves as a guide for planning the future or the wisdom in learning from the past in order to build the future. So if we're going to heal ourselves, if we're going to heal the world, I believe that there could be nothing more powerful than gaining an understanding of our personal and our cultural heritage. We need to have this knowledge in order to move forward, especially for people who've been oppressed and disenfranchised in some way. But I believe that it's equally important for folks who have been the oppressors or folks who've been um, privileged in this life to have knowledge, knowledge that will help heal this country. We cannot live in those places of denial, shame, or ignorance. We often work so hard to defend our beliefs and we work hard to defend who we think we are that we can't even see truth. And so as a society, it's time to wake up to the truth. Individually, it's time to wake up to the truth because in doing so, we can heal the personal and collective wounds and it can help to bring closure while opening us up to live a life that's filled with promise, that's filled with equity and celebration. And we can learn to love all of humanity. We must not be afraid to go back and look at our history. I know that there's a lot of talk about critical race theory. And truthfully, I don't think people really understand what that's about. But as a country, if we do not look back on the ills of this country, we can't even see the truths of this country. We can't even see the people who contributed to make this world a better place. So we must go back and look at our history. But as people of color in particular, I invite you to hold on to that word Sankofa and then go back and retrieve the rich heritage that we have to offer. Retrieve information from your ancestors. You don't even have to go that far back, but learn the power that's in your own lineage. One of the things that we're going to be talking about today, I have my guest, uh, Cortland Butts, who has been with us before. We're going to do a part two 
of justice for life itself. Because Cortland works with an organization called Diving with a Purpose. And we are going to be talking about um, what they do in that particular organization. Their goal is to restore our oceans and to preserve our heritage. And I want to hear from Cortland today some of the things that they've discovered while they've been diving and some of the ways in which um, they found documentation that has helped to heal entire villages. Just to give you a little bit of a refresher about who Cortland is, Cortland Butts is a lifetime educator and an advocate for equity and social change. He has consulted, trained, and educated C-suite executives, school systems, faith-based organization, and municipal entities domestically and internationally. As we would say in our community, he's the bomb diggity. That's who he is. He is um, intentionally a life guardian um, worldwide, intentionally, I'm sorry, life guardian worldwide, which is his organization, takes a deeper dive into the core of our humanity by abiding by spiritual basis of this work of equity. And we talked a lot about that last time, but this time we really want to get into, now that we understand the sacredness of this work we do, we really want to get into what happens in diving with a purpose, how children are transformed, how villages are transformed, how he himself has been transformed by this work. So Cortland, I want to welcome you back with us today. Thank you so much, my brother, for joining us again. So Cortland, we are going to take a break in just a few minutes, but before we take a break and before we get into diving with a purpose, I know that the word Sankofa rings true for you and you had an opportunity to visit the the sacred, um, you know, uh, country of Ghana. So please share with me, if you would, the meaning of Sankofa for you. I think you mentioned one of the interpretations that I do have, which is to go back and reclaim that which was lost. Um, so we go back um, and we get the knowledge that was lost and we apply it to the now. And as you mentioned that, much of my curriculum did just that. Uh, there's some ancient comedic principles um, that lay out in very fair terms because they're written on the walls. Know thyself, be obsessed with distinguishing knowledge from foolishness mm -hmm. and to build for eternity, all right? So that is some knowledge that is 6,000 years old or better. Um, and I went back and got it and applied it to the concepts that we see right now. So beautiful, beautiful. Love it. Well, Carla, we, we do have to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want us to get a little bit more in the work that you do with Diving with a Purpose. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. 
Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. back with my guest today, Cortland Butts. And Cortland, I want to just jump right in with the work that you do as a diver. First, tell me how you got into diving. You mentioned it a little bit on our previous show, but can you just give us a reminder of that? I will, but I am obligated to name something up front around diving with a purpose, DWP. That was an, is an organization that is co-founded by a gentleman named Ken Stewart um, out of Nashville. And I was actually taught, they have some great instructors in that program um, by Jay Hagler. He's the one that got me into scientific diving in the first place. So I want to put that name out there. Um, Kramer Wimberly is the person that um, really inspired me to take a closer look at coral restoration and the impact that we could have on ocean conservancy. So even the quote that you mentioned a little bit earlier around, um, you know, uh, uh, protecting our heritage and restoring our oceans, that's a DWP right. piece, not Life Guardian. And I, I just got to make that separate because that's their thing. Um, within that, I am, I'm an advocate. Um, I took the course and then I keep taking the course. Um, one day it's my hope to be an instructor within that space, but I'm an instructor in some other spaces. Now, with that said, um, what got me into uh, scuba diving was I was the assistant aquatics director at Florida A&M University, uh, which is an HBCU. 
um, right there that interrupts this myth that black people don't swim. It's like right. they're the black lifeguards. All right. Um, and at that time, well, I um, actually attended an HBCU and I had to take swimming. So thank you for putting that Good. in there because it was Good. required for me to take it. <laughs> All right. And so the 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 thing that we were, um, you know, as the assistant aquatics director, I had to do the scheduling. Long story short, um, one of the local dive shops, uh, the owner was a Filipino gentleman and he said it. He said, I've heard this myth, this rumor that Black people don't swim and we have to use y'all's pool to do some of our training exercises. And yet I'm seeing people not only swim, but to train to save people's lives. And I want to make you a deal. If you let um, um, some of your guards sign up with me, I'll let you take the class for free. So uh, what ended up happening was anytime they showed up, I wouldn't charge them for pool time. And in turn, they would take me out on all of their dives. So I was always with the best of the best. I was always with the instructors. I was always getting trained by and with them and different opportunities they had to go out. Um, it just uh, went deeper into this connection that I've, that I've always felt that I've had with nature and especially something about exploring that underwater world. And I think I mentioned the last time that I used to have dreams that I could breathe underwater and I knew how to do it. And I was going to tell my body parts, you know, my lungs, my throat, my nose. I was going to tell it what to do when I woke up. But when I woke up, I would always forget. So scuba diving kind of fulfilled that dream for me. Mm. So Cortland, I want to um, go a little bit deeper into, uh, again, just just diving in general, but um, diving with a, a purpose. Um, the organization, but I do, and, and because I know you so well, I do think it's important for us to do a teachable moment here. Mm. And because we said something and we kind of brushed it off, but for those people who are listening two things, um, an HBCU is a historically black college and university because not everybody knows the acronym for that. So I want to share that. The second thing is with the myth around black people not swimming. There are a couple of things that go along with that. There, there's a time and a place in which we might engage in swimming, which I think is really important to know, because sometimes um, schools may not understand the complication, for instance, of why, for instance, a, a Black woman may not want to get in the pool in the middle of the day, right? That might have something to do with uh, hair care, for instance. But it goes much deeper than that in terms of why we don't swim, why some Black people don't swim. Let me be very clear about that. I think that it's important, Cortland, if we're talking about going back and looking at our past, to know that we didn't always have the advantages that other groups had for learning how to swim in terms of just thinking about access to pools. Here in my neck of the woods, Lots of people have pools in their backyards. That's not always the case in certain neighborhoods. And it's not always the case. Um, de it depends on your socioeconomic status. And it depends on uh, funding, for instance, because yes, they will say public pools. Public pools um, are often different depending on where those pools are. So 
I just think every moment is a teachable moment. And it is even more complicated than what I'm saying now, but I want to just help people to understand where those things came from. We don't always have the access that we need in order to learn swimming. And also there may be issues with even getting us back and forth if we have to travel to a place where there's a pool. So that's just a couple of things. Having said that though, there are opportunities for us, like both Cortland mentioned and I mentioned, we both had to take swimming in college. Well, he was a little bit ahead of the game for me, but then I am. But I just wanted to acknowledge that just for a second. And so in thinking about that, Cortland, and thinking about the myths and thinking about um, even some of the limitations that have been placed on us, I know that the work that you do, you do some work with young people, right, in this area. So talk to me a bit then about how you encourage young people to begin, begin this process of swimming and diving early on. Hmm. So what I'll start with is to extend that teachable moment that you just commented on um, because I teach it to the young people as well. There is um, a stroke uh, called the trunging stroke, all right? And they used to teach it to us in the Red Cross as um, instructors, but I don't think they teach that stroke anymore. But back in my day, they used to teach it. Um, One of the things that this stroke was used for, it was um, used by uh, people of color in South America and on the African continent. And it looked like a combination between a side stroke and what they call the front crawl, wherein you would turn your body, your whole torso out one side, grabbing the water but you will always leave one hand underwater. Back in those days before colonization and before the transatlantic slave trade, there were literally millions of Africans and South Americans swimming out into the ocean. Mm. And that's how they would fish. Mm. They didn't use a boat. The hand under the water was holding on to a net. Mm. That net would drop over a bunch of fish They would bring it back up and they would swim back with that one arm using the scissors kick, right? So the point that I'm trying to make is there was a long time in our history where swimming was a part of life itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was taken away from us during the, um, not not just during the transatlantic slave trade, but when we got there, there was this thing out there that said, you better not go near that water because they knew we could swim. Mm. When those bales of cotton um, didn't make it to shore because the boat crashed, who do you think they sent went down to get them um, from out of, I'm talking about 40 and 50 pound bales that were being pulled off of the bottom of the harbor. That's who they sent down to get it. You talking about the pearl divers, Many of the pearl divers are people of color. They would dive down up to 60 feet on one breath, come back up, and then you would say, oh, yeah, those people don't know how to swim. No, that got trained out of us. The fear got put into us 
as a myth and a story and got weaved in to the point where we started to perpetuate the myth ourselves. Mm. But we didn't start off like that. So mm. I said all of that to say that I try to tell young people that it is in your blood to navigate these waters. Mm. Courtland, I just you. need you to thank tap you back for into that. I'm I, also I, going to share a resource for folks. Um, I can't remember the author right now, but it's called The Undercurrents of Power. And they will show you all of the various ways that people of color globally um, had command of the seas. There was no, um, we're afraid of the water. So Cortland, thank you for that because we do have to take a break. The author of the undercurrents of, uh, is undercurrents of power is Kevin Dawson. Mm. Um, that's the name of the, the author, but thank you. That was a great teachable moment for all of us, but we're going to be right back to talk a little bit more with Cortland Butts after the break. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today, Cortland Butts, who's been talking with us today about diving and the power, um, really, of the African people that we have and had as swimmers. And so, Cortland, I want to just have you invite you to continue with the conversation around because we're, you know, we're looking back today and going forward. But to continue the conversation around the connection of our planet with our history and with diving. And I'd like you also to get into a little bit, uh, this is probably, I guess, the next question moving forward after that, around what are some of the things that you're finding when you go deep and uh, into 
learning our heritage as a diver. Hmm. One of the things that I wanted to promote at Life Guardian is this connection that we have um, throughout life. Like we're, we're, we're not separate from each other. We are in one big old biosphere that we call Earth. And there's no escaping it. Anything that anybody does is going to offset something else um, and be influenced by something else, just like we're constantly being influenced. What there is, I, I, I pull from a lot of different sources that I'm led to check into. So um, my mom has guided me, like I mentioned before, to a lot of wisdom that comes from the Bible. And she'll, and she'll be the first one to say, look, that's scripture. There it is right there. Um, there are, <clears throat> um, excuse me, um, but there are also some rabbis that had some pretty good knowledge that I was checking out, uh, like in terms of their trains of thought and our relationship to the world. Um, there, there are also some imams that I really like their train of thought on a couple of different things. And uh, one of them, uh, Imam Fahim Shuaib, he talks about this. Um, he was a student of W.D. Muhammad. Um, who talks about what they call creation-supported social logic. Um, and today's, um, and some of the more common, uh, today's nomenclature, they'll, they may call it biomimicry, all right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the short of it is the ancient text, before we start writing things down, we would actually study what's going on right before us in nature. We would study right before us what's going on in the universe. I have a really good friend, uh, Terry McConnell, who's really big on um, um, nature. Like she just so immersed in it. She was a tour guide and everything, but she learns a lot from that space as well. So I say all of that to say that I found that as I'm observing the processes and the relationships that are going on in nature, if we pay close attention, they're teaching us something. Mm -hmm. So it struck me that if we're looking at a system that has been in place, according to scientists, for about 4.6 billion years, they, they got some things figured out. <laughs> exactly. <right>? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. So, I think so, they so, now, so now, like, let me take notes from there and then apply it to our social systems. And then when I see something that's diverging from the laws that are to be followed, that allowed us to be in existence or life to be in existence in this space for four and a half billion years, um, then that allows me to see what needs to be correct, corrected right away. And I want to try to give I'm going to give two real quick examples, and I'm going to relate it to the um, work that we do in the space. Um, for example, everything that life has taught us is that wherever we use, whatever organi um, organiz organisms use certain things, and when we're done using that thing and we give it off, our waste is the life of something else, right? Mm. So, for example, um, basic science... When I inhale the air, my body metabolizes the oxygen um, and my waste product is carbon dioxide, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Trees and plants love carbon dioxide. We need that to go ahead and grow. Yes. Their waste product after um, 
metabolizing the carbon dioxide is oxygen. So it's given right back to us. So we have this, this really this symbiotic relationship. So everything in life, when it's in balance, is feeding each other. It's giving off to each other and giving something back. Now, um, humans have the power to create, you know, just like a lot of other creatures. The thing is, we have the power to create and we can make a decision not to do it in unison with nature. So for hmm. example, plastics, all right? Right now, I feel like if we had the mindset, the oneness of the oneness of life itself and operated the same way nature did, when we developed plastics, we would have turned around and said, hey, this plastic is solving a lot of problems for us. It is actually going to launch us into a, a whole new age of industry and productivity. But we need to figure out once it's no longer useful, which part of our system will it feed? Once it's no longer useful, how do we integrate it back into the system to where it's going to continue to be of some use for something else that's on the planet? We didn't think that far. We just cut it off with, we're going to make some money. It's going to make things easier. It's going to grow our industry. And we left it there. I say all of that to say right now, uh, because right now, one of the biggest problems that we have in our oceans in terms of ocean conservancy is the plastics aren't breaking down. And if they are breaking down, they're breaking down to a microscopic level to where fish are eating them, microorganisms are eating them. Um, yeah. Birds are choking on, on the plastics, thinking that there's something else. We're interrupting the entire biosphere because the plastics will not break down. And I'm convinced that we were quote unquote smart enough at that time to figure out what is going to happen with these plastics when it breaks when it breaks down. We just didn't have the heart or the connection to the oneness of life to add that to our consideration. So Which right now we're doing a lot of backpedaling. You in the work that you're doing, you're doing well. You're saying overall you're doing the backpedaling, pedaling, or in the work that you're doing. What I'm saying yeah. by backpedaling is now we have um, cleanups, we right. have right. restoration cleanups. We have, oh, we need to take care of this. Now we have, let's put some filters on those things right there. Whereas so, that should have been the thinking from the beginning. So I said all of that to say that when I look at that symbiotic relationship compared to our social systems that are causing disenfranchisement, mm -hmm. all right, we haven't, turned around and figured out, hey, if we um, want to integrate this group of humans in with whatever we got going on in a healthy way to where we all thrive, then this is what that could look like. But instead, mm -hmm. we're treating humans the same way that we would treat inanimate objects like plastic. Yes. And once they get worn out and to the end, we don't know what to do with it, so we toss it away. We throw it away, or we put it in some sort of space that's actually going to cause more toxicity in the first place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Corlin, I know that we could go down this road for a really long time, and the work mm -hmm. that you do, uh, really, with explaining and teaching about oceanography and how and the ways in which we are hurting the planet. Um, I know that we could talk about that longer because it's it's. It's deep, but yet not deep, right? 
you know, it's it, because the concept is a concept of oneness. Mm -hmm. But I think it's something that requires extensive conversation to help people to understand. So I want to encourage our listeners to do more research on what Cortland is talking about um, as it relates to this whole symbiotic relationship that we have with one another. But I do want to get into Cortland what you've discovered in your diving, because you and I have talked about some fascinating uh, stories mm -hmm. of discovery and healing in particular um, um, African villages. So could you talk a little bit about what have been some of your discoveries? Um, for, for me, I do have to name that my discovery was, again, another space that I can make the observation of nature and open up that world to young people where it wasn't necessarily accessible to them before. You talked about accessibility before, mm -hmm. but being involved in the process with those leaders at Diver with, Diving with a Purpose, and they're connected to like so many other projects like the Slave Rex, the World Slave Rex Projects and uh, things of that nature. Um, um, the, the thing that I discovered is that it turns on the lights of young people and gives them a different trajectory of going off into the world as, as something, as, as a different being, if you mm -hmm. will. All right. Mm -hmm. One of the inspiring stories that is not my story, but one of my brothers, Kamal Siddiqui. All right. So Kamal Siddiqui is one of the diving with a purpose um, instructors. And um, if you look this up on YouTube, I'm sure he's got a piece out there. But, and I won't do his story any justice, but every time he tells it, it it, it put chills um, through me. But the short of it is we were trying to, you know, we had a meeting and laying out for folks the importance of the work that we were doing. And Kamal was on a mission where um, there was a specific slave wreck in Mozambique, I believe, um, that he found. And the, the insurance writers of that day were very meticulous in their records, all right? And, and, and many of them are still around to this day. So just to let you know um, that they literally made money off of insuring the cargo, which were actually human beings mm -hmm. from specific tribes, from specific parts of the Afri African continent, and all of that information was recorded and documented. And um, so when Kamal found this particular wreck, they knew exactly um, where the people on that boat came from. Mm -hmm. They traveled and found that village in the continent and told the chief and the people, we found your people. We found this wreck who was stolen from you years ago. The chief uh, put together this huge ceremony um, and put the earth from that village into that pot. Um, and it was surrounded by calorie shells and everything it was a beautiful piece. Hands it to Kamal and then tells Kamal, now your mission is to go back and spread this earth amongst our people and let them know that they found their way home. Mm, now, I'm going to stop you just for a second, Cortland, because we have to take a break. And I want us, when we come back from that break, to finish telling the rest of this story, because indeed it is touching. 
what you've talked about so far. So we're going to be right back in just a few seconds. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc Listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today, Cortland Butts. And before the break, Cortland, you were telling us about a discovery that one of the divers with Diving with a Purpose made and his assignment. Could you um, pick up where you left off with that story for us, please? Sure. It was Kamal Siddiqui, and that was um, his mission with which he was charged um, by the chief of this particular tribe um, to go back and spread the earth from the village over over the wreck so the people would know that you know they finally you know they found their way home and hopefully i'll find it on youtube somewhere because when he tells it it it, it chills me every time but, mm-hmm. but it, it but it, it really digs into this idea of why we were diving all right it was on purpose it was for us to um rediscover who we are it is the entire sankofa theme we went back and retrieved it there. Um, like I said, I do still aspire to be an instructor, but like more recently, some of the um, folks that I work with are Ernie Franklin, uh, Gabrielle Miller. Um, they got pieces on National Geographic right now. Right. Um, uh, Justin Dunavai, uh Ayanna Bluellen, um, a lot of folks um, that have come through to really keep giving back. And they keep showing the young people because somebody turned around and said, let's teach these young people a skill and about who they are and their heritage at the same time. When you do any type of archeology, span the more tedious task, whether it's terrestrial or maritime, is to to do the survey, to to, to map things, to measure things. 
Mm-hmm. So he said, let's teach these young people a skill, take them underwater, knock this out. So Carlin, I have to ask you though, do you know what happened or, or, or you want people to look it up on YouTube when he took uh, the this parts of the earth and, and, and all of that to take it back to the wreckage? Mm-hmm. It, what's the re- remainder of that? Did he go back and do that? Yeah, he piece? went back. They had a ceremony. He's he's dressed in traditional uh, African garb, like they 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 did the entire piece, and it's it's out there. Like it, it's very search social um, searchable. Um, I'll try to find it if I can send you a link to, to send mm-hmm. out to your viewers. But yeah, I saw it, and then I when I saw him do it again, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe he's doing that. <laughs> But it, but you know what, Cortland, you know, this actually speaks to so many things. It speaks to that spiritual healing, you know, that village was then healed by that, Mm -hmm. but it speaks to our connectedness with the greater oneness, right? Whether Mm -hmm. it be in this world, the world beyond, you know, when we think about, I don't know about you, but when I think about my ancestors on the middle passage, Mm-hmm. Uh, I am horrified by the conditions, I, uh, but I think about what they endured. And people uh, in our community, often when they're trying to give us strength and when they're trying to give us power, they will say things like, we're survivors, we survived the Middle Passage. Mm-hmm. And while all of that is good, I also embrace those people who were on the those ships and decided... I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be uh, free or die. Mm-hmm. Right. And they made a decision to jump into the ocean. And I was thinking today when you were talking that maybe some of them, because they were good swimmers, even thought, well, I can, I can do this. So yeah. uh, what else can you tell us in terms of um, what you found to be some of your greatest healing, even for yourself? with going back and retrieving your heritage and understanding our connectedness. One of the things that you pointed out was uh, you and I worked together for a long time um, at a company that's focused on racial equity. And now I have my own company focused on justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. I've always kept one wing dipped in the water so to speak, throughout my academic career. You know, I was a professor at Spelman College, but I still worked the morning shift as a lifeguard at the YMCA um, uh, between times. And so I literally developed an entire career, aquatic career going off into that space. And I was always looking for a way to merge those two passions that I had together. So they all came together in this space. Um, and when I say in this space, there is a constellation of organizations with whom I'm connected. One of them is called JASIS Junior Scientists in the Sea. Um, and this was the, founded by a gentleman named uh, Les Burke. Uh, the other one, like I said, is uh, Diving with a Purpose. I mentioned those, uh, mentioned them several times, um, co-founded by um, Ken Stewart. I'm also part of the National Association of Black Scuba Divers, all right? And so this was founded more than 30 years ago. Now, within that organization, I'm the dive, I'm the safety officer, which means that I'm the chairperson of all the dive leaders in the organization. Um, we have a local club here. Uh, 
SSQs, uh, the Southern Sequestrians, um, where I'm the president of the Southern Sequestrians, which is an offshoot of the National Association of Black Scuba Divers. All of us have um, within our mission somewhere to take young people of color and introduce them to the world of marine science. Uh, when I say marine science specifically, I'm also referring to, for example, another organization called the American Academy of Underwater Sciences. When you become a scientific diver, some of the thoughts are the sciences first. So that means we're not diving um, for recreation. There is a research question that needs to be answered and we need your scuba skills to go ahead and collect the data. So once that question um, goes out there, then we use our skills and we train people to use those skills to find out what that information is. Now, I say all of that to say that um, we're interrupting some of the institutional myths and norms of racism by creating a different pipeline um, for folks to go from schools into the marine sciences where you don't see a lot of people of color, especially uh, black children. Um, another skill uh, that interrupts this myth around what we don't like about water or um, it didn't start off like that, but it kept being taught to us for, for so long that it started to be a reality, which mm -hmm. is one of the things that I'll point to. So mm -hmm. I get a chance to merge all of those things together. And what I'm finding is as we introduce the young people to newer and different things, there's a different mindset, a different thinking, a different possibility that just wasn't available to the pool of people that were there before because the thinking is different mm. because of that we're able to solve problems in ways that we could not imagine before. Mm. So I apply all of that to me doing a training around equity, justice. Um, what will it take for us in this space for you to have a different mind than you walked into, into this space with the first time around? So as I look at the patterns in that space, I apply them to the justice and the equity, diversity, and inclusion space. You know what I love about what you're just saying? Because, Cortland, you are not only opening the minds of people of color, Black people, in terms of their or our history with all of this and showing the power in that. But, you know, in your teaching of justice, equity, and inclusion, you're opening up everyone's minds and, mm -hmm. and understanding not just our interconnectedness, but you're getting rid of the myths right and you're applying those teachings for how you can um how there's an intersectionality in mm -hmm. everything that we do because often as a facilitator one of the issues that will come up for me particularly when i'm inviting people to participate in things they'll say oh my focus is over here or my focus is over here they might even say maybe my focus is science mm -hmm you are showing that there's a clear connectedness in everything we do mm -hmm. with race. There's an yep. intersectionality and knowing our history is a big part of it. Well, Cortland, we are coming to the close of our show and I want to uh, just invite you if you have any closing words to offer, to please offer those, uh, your, your final words to our audience now. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I will say based off of what you just laid out in terms of the interconnectedness, which is this work that we do is never about 
for me anyway, us against them. It's really about all of us coming together to interrupt institutional norms that do not serve our collective humanity well. If we don't think about the work like that, then our true enemy will never be revealed to us. And we'll keep fighting this fight in the way that says, oh, you're the enemy right there. When really the, the true enemy is looking at us, laughing at us like, yeah, keep that up. All right. So. Yes. Beautifully said. Beautifully said, uh, Cortland. I am so grateful uh, that you have joined me again today. Uh, there's always much more that we can talk about. Uh, as Cortland said when he was here before, you can get in touch with him by looking him up on LinkedIn. And uh, hopefully Cortland will give us that, find that information for us around uh, the um, the diving with a purpose the uh, and going back and having that healing ceremony. I really do want to hear more about that. I want to thank you, my listeners, for being with me today. And I want to invite you to please go to sacredintelligence.com where you can learn more about the work that I do and some of the offerings that I have coming up. I want to just invite you to consider what is one thing that you can do today to help dismantle racism. It's something that you can do in your daily life because I know that you know, if you go within, you'll find that you have a gift to offer to the world so that we can make this world a better place for each and every one of us. I want to invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest your good and the good of other people at the same time. Know that we are all one and exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc.
Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 